0: Golden State Warriors basketball.
1: Stolen by Curry. Curry driving with wall back goes reverse with a left hand. It was so weak.
0: This is Warriors Roundtable with the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy.
1: 13 seconds. Gets a screen. Jason Thompson helps out. Curry in the dribble. Bounce pass Lee. Swings to Clay Thompson. He'll fire for three. Got it! 7.5 to go. Warriors lead So it all came down to that shot for Klay Thompson on the right wing. The three gave Golden State a two-point lead, and then they hung on for the victory. A much-needed win. Over the Sacramento Kings, 87 to 83. I know it was not an impressive win, but uh, let's face a couple of facts here. One, the Warriors are trying to work their way back to the level they were early in the season. It's going to take time. Now, starting this stretch, 16 of 22 at home. We've gone over that a number of times, but think about it. It's one quarter of the season. The Warriors have time to get this going again, and they will. They'll do it in incremental steps as they integrate Andrew Bogut into the lineup. Now, the win was the second consecutive win for the Warriors, and it was a huge win in this regard. The Utah Jazz let one get away in Cleveland, and the Houston Rockets lost in Dallas. So Golden State picked up a full game on both of those teams. It was a big night for Golden State. They finished with five players in double figures, despite shooting 36% from the field. Their lowest in a win this year. So if you think about good teams, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to win the games that you pencil in as wins, and this was one of those. And also, win games when you don't play well. So the Warriors didn't shoot well, they shot 36%, their lowest in a win this year, and still came away with that victory. That, that to me, is a good sign. That means that they didn't let this game get away, and they are, in a sense, taking care of business. Tim Roy of the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Once again, I invite you to take a seat and listen for the next hour as among our guests we'll have Chris Broussard of ESPN.com talking playoff races and just how good is LeBron James. And then what's it like to be a D-League player? We go to Santa Cruz and Travis Leslie, the MVP of the D-League All-Star Game, will be our guest to talk about life as a Santa Cruz Warrior. And we'll answer your questions and comments at Warriors Vox, Warriors VOX on the Twitter. I'll have another example of how the Warriors are trying to make the Bay Area a better place to live, and then a look ahead to a huge game on Friday night when the Warriors entertain the Houston Rockets. 7 o'clock tomorrow night, right here on KMBR 680, the Sports Leader. Quick note on last night's win, 87-83, Warriors over the Kings. Now both Golden State and And Sacramento scored below 90 points in the same game for the first time since 1957. Since March the 6th, 1957, the Rochester Royals beat the Philadelphia Warriors 82-79. That's 56 years ago to the day when the clubs were in Rochester and Philadelphia. That's an incredible stat. Uh, from last night's game. We've got a great show for you. Looking forward to our conversation with Travis Leslie about life in Santa Cruz. That will come next. But a, a reminder that you can join the Warriors for the third annual Bollywood Night presented by Adobe. Celebrated true Bollywood fashion where the Warriors take on Carmelo Anthony and the New York Knicks this Monday, March the 11th. Arrive early as the first 19,000 fans receive a free commemorative Bollywood Night t-shirt. For ticket information, go to warriors.com Bollywood. I, Tim Roy, and enjoy your seat around the roundtable as Travis Leslie is next on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Lee in the bounce, cuts off and takes the handoff, baseline to the rack, jammed it and one.
0: We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable.
1: Right wing, Ubelius picks up his dribble, gives it to Travis Leslie, four, three, brain dance. And Travis Leslie has 31 points, that's a season high. There was one player that stood out amongst all of them. It's the man to my left, Travis Leslie of the Santa Cruz Warriors, scored 19 points, seven rebounds, leading his prospects team to victory. So it's my great honor to present the 2013 NBA D-League All-Star MVP trophy to Travis Leslie. Congratulations. A great moment this year for Santa Cruz Warriors guard, Travis Leslie, the MVP of the D-League All-Star Game. I, Tim Roy, and the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. And I wanted to get Travis on not only uh, to talk about his career, but also about life in the D-League. What's that like? And we are a pleasure to welcome the guard from the Santa Cruz Warriors to the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. One of the last cuts in the Clippers camp this year. And Travis, first of all, that's always disappointing. I mean, you know, when, when nobody likes to get cut or be told that you don't make a team, whether it be in junior high or in the pros. How have you rebounded to play so well for Santa Cruz this year? What was your mindset coming into Santa Cruz?
2: Being cut, it was kind of like a, a motivation to me. They let me go a day a day before the season, so that was kind of kind of heart heartbroken. But I rebounded. Came to Santa Cruz and uh, just came here with the right mindset. Came here focused, just just hungry, more hungry. Uh, like like you said, I was MVP. Uh, I've been doing been doing good. Just just going out there, just really just playing hard, being aggressive, aggressive, and just
1: playing my playing my game. Are there any particular things that when you know, you left the Clippers. That you said, okay, I have to get better at this. Anything particular thing that you're working on right now? Well, knowing my size, I'm six four, and
2: in the NBA, I'll be playing it too. And our teams, they tell me uh, I need to work on my handles a little bit more. I've been working on my handles, my jump shot, uh, my defense, uh, and they all been coming together, uh, and it's been showing down here in the D League. A uh, couple games, I got like six, seven steals. Uh, my shooting percentage is pretty good, and
1: everything has been going well for me. Averaging 16 points a game in 28 games, you're shooting 51 percent from the field, which is remarkable for a two guard. 36.5 outside the arc, 74 at the stripe, 7.4 boards, couple of assists, 1.8 steals in the, your time on the floor, which is 27 minutes a night. Get take us through the, a, a typical you know D League day. What what's what's a, a typical D League day like for you? uh do you day a game day yeah a game day
2: yeah we'll probably have shoot around in the morning go back to the room rest for a little bit come back uh and just get ready for the game uh I don't really have a pre-game ritual I just go out there uh, before the game I shoot around just get stretched out and it's game time well before the game I go back in the locker room listen to listen to music then come out ready
1: you know, it's, it's one thing I love about the D League, and I, I when I first started, I announced in what was called the Continental Basketball Association, which basically was the D League back in the day, yeah. is that it's it's a real pure place because guys like you and the and your teammates, you guys all really love the game, and you you all want the yeah. chance to play in the NBA. Nobody's going overseas from this team to get just to get a paycheck. You guys all love the game. Yeah, definitely, and uh, also
2: the easiest way to get back to the league is the D League. Going overseas, well, when I got cut, uh, D League is my first first option. Uh, I thought about going going overseas, but the, like I said, the D League is the easy easiest route. So
1: come, that's why I'm here, and I'm here trying to get back up. Talking with Travis Leslie of the Santa Cruz Warriors. I'm Tim Roy on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. When you play in Santa Cruz, give us an idea. New building in there, and obviously they got it up in a hurry. And and from everything we've heard. Uh, the atmosphere down there is great, yeah, I love it. our Our fan support is it's, uh beyond crazy. Uh,
2: our game is like sold out like every game.
1: Uh, uh, it's it's just crazy. The sport is unbelievable. I love it. you know, I thought of you last night because I the Warriors played the Sacramento Kings. And if memory serves, I can't remember if it was in an, a tournament game or just a uh, regular season game, but you had, a, you had a dunk in college while playing for the Georgia Bulldogs. You had a dunk on DeMarcus Cousins that made the highlight reel. Yeah, yeah. Georgia.
0: Oh, my! Travis Leslie! And he draws the foul. <laughs> he said, I'm here today in Lexington, Kentucky. Watch this. My goodness. <laughs> I don't think anyone in the building thought this was going to happen. Boy, oh, boys! this guy got some ups right here. My goodness. John Calipari didn't like to call. He wanted to charge.
2: Uh, that was my sophomore year, I uh, least playing Kentucky. It was like at the beginning of the game, like four to six. And uh, they was pressing. Uh, my other former Clipper teammate, Trey Tumpkins, former Georgia teammate, uh, he gave it to me at half court. It was just me and DeMarcus Cousins. He's sitting in the lane, so I just just went at him
1: and I got the foul, and made the dunk. You know, we we talked about the the atmosphere in Santa Cruz. What's it like uh, living there uh, while working in the D League? Oh, I like it a lot.
2: Uh, it's a lot different coming from LA and coming to Santa Cruz, but uh, I'm getting
1: I'm I'm getting comfortable with it. I'm dealing with it. I like it a lot. Give me a couple of guys that uh, Warrior fans. Should look out for outside of yourself. A couple of your teammates, maybe that uh, that have impressed you, and you think have a real chance. Obviously, you've got a couple who have already played in the league. But tell me, tell me about a couple of guys that maybe haven't played in the league that that uh, you think have a real shot at getting to the NBA. That haven't played in the league. That have. I mean, Hilton Armstrong. Like, we know we've, yeah, we've seen yeah. him. We, Mikael Gladness was with the Warriors, but yeah. Well, well, I feel like all of them.
2: Uh, they got skills and talent to. Make it to the next level, uh, but uh, I feel like everyone on the team really can. They put their mind to, to it and uh,
1: work, work hard. They can, they can get there. I have to ask you about a guy that we saw last year with the Dakota Wizards, and yeah. to me, he's just a basketball lifer. You know, if you were yeah. going to the the gym. And you're playing a pickup game. He's probably going to be there when he's like 45, and then that's Mo Baker. I mean, I mean, he he yeah. just keeps going and going and going. Yeah, he's, and he's never really had that great shot. He
2: he's a great he's a great guy, great teammate. He's cool off the court, on the court, uh, and he's also he's a great leader. Uh, he's like when he's on the floor, he he just make makes the game. He makes us do we. Uh, he just control the game throws the game, and uh, like you say, he's been playing for a long time, so uh, he he knows what to do,
1: and uh, I love playing with him. Travis, what have the Warriors talked to you about when, when they've come down to, to watch your game, or head coach Nate Bjorkgren, what have they talked to you about in terms of what they would like to see from you? Teams, well, I heard from before.
2: Teams uh like to see my defense improve a little bit more. And Coach, he, he tells me that there's some games uh, I kind of slack on defense, but uh, like I said, I've been working. It's it's gotten, it's gotten a lot of be- a lot better.
1: So I'm just gonna keep working and hopefully it gets better so I can get back up. Now you know in the NBA, you know how we travel. Uh, obviously, the, most teams have the, the charter jet with it, either whether their own planer or uh, through yeah. the NBA service. Uh, have you had any D-League travel stories this year that uh, that, that where obviously it's a lot different? Yeah, it's totally
2: different <laughs> but uh like like you said earlier uh, this this is basketball and this this is the game I played this game I chose so uh, I got to deal with it it's a lot different from the NBA but it is what it is can't can't cry about
1: it now is there a place on the d league schedule where maybe you woke up in the hotel or walked on the floor and said well this is one place I never thought I would get to but here I am playing basketball Say again. Is there a town or a city in the D-League that you maybe woke up one morning in the hotel mm-hmm. or you're on the floor and you say, well, I probably would never have come to this city had it not been for the, the D-League or my, my love of basketball? Have you had it had any of those moments yet?
2: Yeah, I feel like that about uh, every city. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, you, guys went like, to, you guys went I'll, to Maine, I right?
1: Never,
2: yeah, like every city we've been to. I've never been, I've never been to it. Uh, Fort Wayne, Maine. there's just it's so many cities I never really heard of. But I don't know.
1: Well, just think someday somebody's gonna ask you how many states you've been to, and you can say, "Well, I've been the Maine." <laughs> been yeah, to- yeah. <laughs> you, know. you can. Fort Wayne obviously is a—it's an historic city. It actually was an original NBA city. They was the yeah, Fort, yeah, Wayne,
2: yeah.
1: Fort Wayne Pistons back in the day. So, Travis, t- tell me, h- how would you get started playing hoop, and who are some of the early influences on your game, whether it be coaches or, or teammates? I didn't
2: really start playing organized basketball until my freshman year of high school. Like before that, uh, when I was younger, I was playing like middle school. I was playing basketball at the YMCA Boys and Girls Club and never really like played on an organized team when I got to uh, high school. I played uh, organized basketball, and uh, I started playing. I got better. In my sophomore year, that's that's when I noticed I really can get good at this. And uh, my like my high school coach, he like throughout throughout all my years of high school, he's like a father figure to me. So uh, and he, I still talk to him to him now, and whenever I need anything, whatever I want, like he got me. So he's one. Well, he's a big
1: influence for me. Well, I asked my uh, Twitter audience uh, if they had any questions for you, and Jacob JBG wants to know uh, how much attention do you pay to what the Golden State Warriors are doing? Oh, I'm watching. I'm watching. They're doing. They're they're doing great. Uh, yeah, I've been watching a lot. It, any particular players that you study? I would, I would imagine if you look at a guy like Jared Jack, he's kind of the same body size you are. That that you could probably pick up something from him.
2: Yeah, and I'm pretty I'm pretty cool with Jared Jack. Uh, He's uh he, he well you know he went to uh, Georgia Tech, so Correct. Uh yeah. he comes he yeah, he I think he stayed stayed in Atlanta in the summer or so so. And uh we used to always like play play basketball, like work out, uh playing the pro am in in the summer. And uh yeah, yeah, he's 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 doing great right now.
1: And uh
2: yeah, he's doing great.
1: So have you had a chance to get down uh to the boardwalk?
2: Yeah, I've been a couple times. Me and my teammates, we uh, went to the arcade, uh, play laser tag, played a couple games on the arcade, and I don't know, went just walked on the beach a couple
1: times. Uh, you have uh, laser tag. Are you uh, are you good at that? Nah. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I thought I'd give you an opening. Maybe you're maybe you're an expert at it. I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna get I'm going I'm gonna get better though. I'm gonna try to <laughs> try, try to practice. What would your uh, arcade game of choice be?
2: Arcade game of choice? Yeah. Uh, Well, while I was there, I was playing Fruit Ninja a lot on the big screen. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, right. I'm pretty good at that.
1: Are you a, a video game guy away from the floor?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what, I got an Xbox, PS3, all that. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: So what? Uh, what? Uh, what? What games? care keeping you busy right now.
2: Well, NBA Two K Thirteen, and also Call of Duty.
1: Call of Duty. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, I appreciate the uh, the the time today. Uh, I no guess a, fi- a final question for you is is uh, just tell tell me are you are you, you know obviously you want to be in the NBA you know that's what yeah. the whole goal yeah. is but are you enjoying it down there in Santa Cruz? Yeah, yeah, yeah I love it. Like I said, the
2: fans—they're giving us all the support we need. Uh, I'm on—I'm in a great, great city, great team, great coach, and a lot of great teammates. So, yeah, I'm loving it right now.
1: And there are a lot worse jobs to to have than getting paid to play hoop. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, Travis, I appreciate your time uh, today, and best of luck. We hope to see you in a Golden State Warriors uniform sometime soon, and uh, while you uh, get ready, nothing but success for you uh, in the D League. Thank you. My thanks to Travis Leslie we had a chance to catch up with Jared Jack at practice Jared Jack gave us his rundown on Travis Leslie
3: I mean, he went to Georgia my, my arch rival um, you know we have a lot of mutual friends you know I watched him uh, you know from a distance uh, during his college career you know beating up on my yellow jackets and uh, you know the tremendous battles they had in the SEC and uh, it was definitely one of the reasons Georgia was able to turn that program around on him. tremendous athlete you know, one of the best athletes around, you know, not just saying D League, but just period in basketball. Um, super athletic talent, um, you know, young player that I think, can develop into something special. You know, I think once he really finds his niche on the team, um, opportunity is everything. Um, he gets into a space where they, you know, actually have a niche carved out for him.
1: And once he's allowed some time to kind of excel, I think he'll do pretty good. Well, Warrior fans, the on-court shootout is back. You can renew your 2013-2014 season tickets tonight and be automatically entered for a chance to compete in the on-court shootout during select Warriors home games, a chance to win $12,500 in cash. Call 1-888-JSW-HOOP and press 1 to renew your season tickets by March the 20th and save. No purchase is necessary to enter or to win. Big ball game tomorrow night. Warriors and the Houston Rockets starts at 7 o'clock on the KMBR 680, The Sports Leader. He oh got the rebound. Clay Thompson for three. Yes.
0: We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable.
1: The Golden State Warriors are steadfast in their commitment to make the Bay Area a better place to live. And earlier this week, at the Warriors' practice facility in Oakland, the NBA and the Special Olympics spread the word to end the word campaign. The Warriors hosted 45 athletes from Special Olympics of Northern California for a basketball clinic. Players Jared Jack, Andres Biedrich, and Richard Jefferson joined the Warriors' youth basketball staff, helping to teach basketball drills, fundamentals, and most importantly, fun for all the athletes in attendance. The NBA's global partnership with Special Olympics began more than 30 years ago when the league helped to introduce basketball as a new sport to the organization. And it continues through sponsorship of Special Olympic basketball tournaments. The Spread the Word to End the Word campaign is aimed at ending the hurtful use of the R word, retarded, negatively impacting people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So the Warriors, the NBA, and the Special Olympics are arm in arm trying to help spread the word to end the word, and it manifested itself at the Warriors' practice facility.
3: It's tremendous, you know, the things that the NBA, Golden State Warriors, and uh, Special Olympics do, you know, putting on events like this for these kids is tremendous, you know. Sometimes I know from their situation, they feel as though they're looked over, they don't get the same privileges other kids get, so tonight, to allow them to let them uh, live out their dream, maybe for an hour or two, who who knows how long that smile will last on their face
0: really nice, you can see uh, how excited and
2: happy they are, this is my second time with this uh, this kind of clinic here, uh, it's, it's really a lot of fun, I see a lot of people who were here last year and it's been amazing. Like this. You can see how much joy you can bring in that short period of time, uh, they're so excited to see you and you know after this evening I think you know they're gonna remember this moment for a long, long time. And, uh, it's really, you know, it's, it's, it's so happy to make everybody else happy.
3: It's just really just being sensitive to everybody else's needs. You know, I think we all have a few words that kind of touches you in a certain way, regardless if it's the word that we're speaking of now, or something that'd be racially challenged, or something, you know, sexually, or whatever the case may be. And, you know, I think the way to put it in reference is, how would you want if somebody was using that towards one of your family members, one of your kids, if you have them, uh, your parents, and that's the way we should really treat everybody my favorite was from uh, Ryan he walked up to me and called me a uh, two J's which was definitely very very unexpected but you know it just goes to show you you never know how many fans or people that really love and support this team you know in conjunction with the NBA and Special Olympics um, it's tremendous for us to be a part of the spread uh, spread the word to end the word campaign um, and it's something that we do you know from near and dear to our heart you know it's nothing that we're forced to do um we're going in here like you said you know just trying to brighten somebody's day make somebody put a smile on their face and uh it really helps you it's a really humbling experience knowing that these kids are in these situations you know wanting to be like you but you know physically you know it just wasn't in the cars for them and just to come out here and trying to you know give a little bit of your day to help them somewhat live their dream, so to speak. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a very fun thing and humbling experience at the same time.
0: Let me see this. Come on, man. Exactly.
3: (laughs) Can we go back? This is the moment. Tonight is the night. We'll fight till it's over. So we put our hands
1: over him it's up and good harrison Barnes can feel it right now we now continue with more of warriors roundtable let's find out what's on your mind right now on warriors box on twitter warriors vox or send me an email at troy t-r-o-y-e at warriors.com well jared jack seems to be the man of the moment of this week on the twitter as a Joe Pro 18 wants to know, does Jack have a legit shot for the sixth man? I think he does. Now, obviously, Jamal Crawford's having a great year for the LA Clippers, and he has the advantage of the fact that the Clippers are playing great basketball right now and are a team that you have to consider a chance to get to the NBA Finals. But Jared Jack has had a great impact on this Warriors ball club. In fact, I think one of the great things about Jared is the fact that he has this ability to take his role and make the best of it. A lot of players in this league have a hard time coming off the bench because they feel they're starters. But as Jared explains here, it's all about your attitude and finding a way to contribute to your team. Most
3: of us, when you come from your college or you know when guys used to be able to come to high school, you probably were the star or, or the man on your team. You were that way in high school as well. And when you come to the NBA and you have to you know, play more of a role or reserve role, it's kind of a humbling experience. And they can kind of leave you second guessing yourself at times like, man, am I not good enough? And I used to be the guy that used to get a ball too late. Now I'm a situational player. I just try to just don't let your confidence waver. You know, so much in this game is about confidence and never second guessing yourself. Understand that you put the necessary work in to be successful. And, you know, when you get your opportunity, you just try to make the most of it.
1: Next up on this week's edition, G. Haber wants to know about the turnovers. What can the Warriors do to cut down on those turnovers, which has been a bothersome subject for the Warriors since the beginning of February. Well, we talked to Jarrett Jack. It's his week here on Warriors Vox, and he talks about the difference of turnovers. It's one thing to give the ball up when you're aggressive trying to make a play. It's another thing to be sloppy.
3: I mean it sounds like a simple recipe but you know when you say don't turn the ball over don't <laughs> turn the ball over but be aggressive so sometimes you know you being aggressive and trying to you know create opportunities for yourself or for your teammates can lead to those turnovers mm-hmm. but it's just the type of turnovers you know the careless ones that's where we just just throw the ball out of bounds or you know you know I don't I don't think coach minds the ones so much when you're making aggressive play to the basket, let's just say you get stripped. Okay, those are ones we could deal with. Or, or dead ball turnovers, you know, when they have the ball out. No, you know, uh, the live ball turnovers, when you throw it and they're able to, you know, in turn start a, a two-on-one break or a three-on-two break or whatever the case may be, those are the ones that kind of come back and bite you in the end.
1: What about Lucas wants to know – Uh, Do the Warriors go to zone defense with certain lineups? And what does Coach have against Barnes? Seems like he rides the pine way too much. Well, first of all, the zone defense. I think the Warriors like to go zone not necessarily dictated by lineup as much as it's dictated as a change of pace to show the other team something different. And when they do it, especially coming out of timeouts or after free throws, it's really interesting to watch the other team. They waste about 5 to 10 seconds getting lined up to get everybody set up into their zone offense. And I think as a change of pace, it's really effective. I think the times where the Warriors get into trouble is when they stay in it for a number of minutes against a team that's well-schooled against it. And you'll see those teams that know how to run a zone offense. They're waiting for the Warriors to get into it, and they have specific plays they like to run, especially on the baseline. It looks like on the baseline, that's where some teams have taken advantage of Golden State in that zone defense. And then about Harrison Barnes. I think what happens with Harrison sometimes is when he's not aggressive, Mark Jackson doesn't have the luxury of waiting on him as far as uh, you know, giving him time on the floor. Plus, one of the Warriors' best lineups this year has been the Steph Curry, Jarrett Jack, Klay Thompson, Lee, and Landry lineup. It's a lineup that does not have a shot blocker, and it can be victimized rebounding at times, but it's also a lineup that's very tough for the other team to guard. And I think when that lineup's going well, those are the nights where Harrison Barnes does not get a lot of time. Well, NickelDime09 wants to know, what's the least thing you like about your job? Well, first of all, I have one of the great jobs in the world. Uh, Being a sportscaster and being an NBA broadcaster for the Golden State Warriors is just a dream come true. It's a great job. You guys are a great fan base, and and I treasure uh, each and every broadcast. But the least thing I like about the job has to be the travel. Uh, The travel takes you away from home, takes you away from family and friends, and that's the hard part about it. Uh, I have to tell you, coming off that uh, week-long trip last week and getting ready for Monday's game was tough. It was tough physically and mentally, uh, not only for me, but uh, for the players. It's just a hard part of the NBA life. It's a hard travel, and uh, that's the one thing you know I could do without it. If, if there is one thing, one futuristic invention I would have would be the transporter from Star Trek. If I could do that, that would be awesome to come from one spot to get to the, the next arena. That, to me, would be the uh, greatest invention ever for an NBA broadcaster. That's going to wrap it up here on Warriors Vox, Warriors VOX, or send me an email at TROY, T-R-O-Y-E, at warriors.com. We try to answer questions that you have, not only for me, but also for Warrior players and head coach Mark Jackson. We continue with more on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, a conversation. Chris Broussard of ESPN is next. We're going to talk about the playoff races east and west on KMBR 680 the sports leader. Live long and prosper. Up and good, David Lee getting to wherever he wants to go on the floor and knocking everything down.
0: We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable.
1: Here are the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Golden State back in action tomorrow night when they take on the Houston Rockets. And uh, joining us right now from ESPN is Chris Broussard who's gonna be handling the uh, sideline duties for the game in front of the uh, Rockets and the Warriors. He'll be up in Boston when the Atlanta Hawks are in town. And, and Chris, uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. And uh, obviously when you look at the Celtics and we just saw Boston in Boston, uh, they've really come together without Rondo. They're, they've got a nice little chemistry and it's, it's all based on what they do on the defensive end.
4: Yeah, I think their record is 13-4 and four, uh, since Rondo went down. And what you see is just, um, first of all, defensively. Rondo's a, a solid defender. Uh, most scouts around the league will tell you that he's overrated defensively. He's known as a great defender. And while he does get you steals and, you know, he can obviously really buckle down when he wants to, um, he you know, gets out of position at times and the rotations can get messed up because he gambles a lot. So when you put Avery Bradley in there with Courtney Lee, now you've got two really good defensive players on the perimeter. And, and Avery Bradley is phenomenal defensively. He's picking guys up full court. He's really pressuring them, and that just slows down the offense uh, and keeps them from getting into their sets, uh until late in the shot clock. So Defensively, that's a big reason why they've improved because they can really pressure opponents on the perimeter now. Offensively, Rondo, obviously, terrific playmaker, led the league in assists. Uh, but now that he's out, there's a lot, there's more ball movement and other guys are getting a lot more touches. He, he would dominate the ball as a lot of great point guards do. But now without him and Bradley and Lee, neither of them is a true point guard. So now you've got the ball moving a lot more. And you got two veterans who, in addition, mainly Pierce, in addition to being a great scorer, he also can make plays for his teammates. So he's almost, I wouldn't say a point forward, but he's a guy that can really make a lot of plays. Uh, And he's having to do that now that Rondo's not there. And same with Kevin Garnett. He's a great passer. And so they're playing through those guys and really getting a lot more ball movement on offense. Uh, Even you saw last night against Indiana the great feed for the game-winning layup from Garnett to Jeff Green. So that's their formula, and it's really working well. I wouldn't argue at this point, certainly, still a small sampling, that they're better without Rondo because, you know, he's such a great player. You'd certainly love to have a point guard like him. But they are playing well, and you have to give those guys a lot of credit. I mean, they're veterans, KG, and Pierce are just straight-up winners. And that's seeping into the other players uh, and as, who are following their lead. And then, of course, Doc Rivers doing a tremendous job.
1: You know, it's funny, too. You look at the East, end, and we've got a little bit of a race with the Warriors in Houston and Utah at the bottom end of the West, which I'm going to ask you about in a moment. But let's start with the East because a game and a half separates four to seven. So a game and a half from one of those four teams, Brooklyn, Atlanta, Chicago, and Boston, uh, possibly getting home court advantage. Who do you like in this this run to the finish? Who do you think has the advantage?
4: Well, I probably would say Brooklyn. I know they've you know they've been up and down. Uh, I think they've played very well at times, and and I expect them to to get better and kind of really settle into who they are uh, pretty soon. Um, but Chicago is the team that everybody kind of has its eye on. First of all, is Derrick Rose going to return? You know, you're getting to a point where I'm sure he would be able to play at some point this year, but you're getting to a point where if he doesn't come back soon, then you may feel like just, you know what, let's just shut it down until next year. I mean, you don't want to bring him back during the playoffs or right before the playoffs because no matter how ready he is, they're going to be ups and downs. I think you want to bring him back with say a month or so in the regular season, so he can really get you know get his legs under him, get used to playing, get his timing back, get his chemistry back with his teammates, and really find out okay how he needs to play this season uh, going forward for them to have their best chance to win. But assuming Rose comes back, I think Chicago, regardless of where they finish. They're going to be a dangerous team that nobody really wants to face. Um, if Rose were, if he were to come back like within the next week or so, uh, and really be able to play close to what he was, that may be a big if. But if he can, then I think they would arguably be the the toughest challenge for the Miami Heat in terms of winning the conference. Yeah, you
1: know, it's interesting. Uh, on the last road trip, the Warriors had back east. Uh, I have to tell you that they, even though they, they trail New York, the team that impressed me that we saw on this trip, the team that impressed me the most was Indiana. They, they get after you defensively. They're long. Uh, they're athletic. Uh, Paul George has just taken a huge step forward in his development. Uh, I, I've got, I, I got a feeling that the Pacers might be the team that, that kind of, even though they're really good, they're kind of below the radar in terms of, of maybe getting to a conference final.
4: Yeah, I think they have a great shot. Look, any of those teams from two to seven, and that well, I don't really put Atlanta in that group. I don't think they have a shot at getting to the conference final. But I think New York, Indiana, Brooklyn, Chicago, Boston, every one of those teams has to feel like, look, we can get to the conference final. Every one of those teams should be thinking, and and they wouldn't even admit this, but if I'm one of those teams, I'm thinking – if we lose to anybody but Miami in the in the East, then we should be kicking ourselves because all those teams are grouped close together. I mean, they're essentially on the same level, um, and I could I wouldn't be surprised if any of them beat the other. Uh, so, but you mentioned Indiana, yes, very good team. I think most people would say uh, that they are the biggest threat to the Miami Heat in terms of winning the East. Um, they're an interesting team. because, As you said, Paul George has emerged as an all-star. David West, we know, has been an all-star in the past. Danny Granger, you know, he's back. He's kind of still not right, so we don't know what his role is going to be with the team um, because of the injury. But um, they don't have that superstar. And typically in this league, it's always taken a superstar or a, a perennial all-star. We we have Paul George is not that yet. David West not a perennial all-star. So for them to win the East, they would really have to be uh, going against a lot of history because we just see very few teams get to the finals without having that one transcendent star. Um, so we'll see a lot of people believe in them. They play t- tremendous defense. They're physical. Uh, and that's a problem for Miami. Miami's not, you know, a very physical team. Uh, they're not big. So if you've got size and you want to pound uh, in the paint, then, then you can give them problems. We saw last night Nikola Vucevic from uh, Orlando. I think he had 25 points, 21 rebounds. Some big numbers last night when they almost pulled off the upset of the Heat. Yeah,
1: don't remind Doug Collins of Vucevic. <laughs> He's gonna oh, get... my
4: God. <laughs> That's been a nightmare, and I tell you what—it's only getting worse. Because now, what do you do if you're Philadelphia? You know, um, you know, I, I can't. There's no way you can put big money in this guy in terms of long term. Now, I, if I were in their position, I would offer Andrew Bynum a one-year deal. And look, he just got paid for not playing this whole season and we had, they had no clue. It wasn't like he was injured before, you know, they knew there was a chance he'd missed some of the season. I mean, this guy, you know, they thought they're getting the second-best center in the league, and Doug Collins was incredibly excited, you know, with Drew Holiday, very good point guard. You know, you've got good players on that team who would be really good role players. Now they have to play like stars because, you know, you don't have a a, a real huge superstar. I mean, Drew is becoming a very good player, Um, but he's a point guard. He's not going to, you know, get you 25 points a night. So Evan Turner and and all these other guys, Thaddeus Young, they're in positions where they need big points from them, and that's not. they don't have that ability. But you put them around an Andrew Bynum who would get you 20 points, 10 rebounds a night. And now, all of a sudden, those guys are playing a lot better. And Philadelphia maybe is in that group of teams we just talked about where I don't think think they're beating the Heat, obviously. But, you know, they're they're a solid playoff team who can make a little noise in the postseason. But now, I mean, I know it's killing Doug and driving him crazy, um, and, and understandably so.
1: Talking with Chris Broussard of ESPN. I'm Tim Roy. We continue with the Warriors and the Rockets tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Our coverage just starts on KMBR 680, the sports leader. The Miami Heat have won 16 in a row. Uh, Still one of the great records that uh, doesn't get, you know, as much play as baseball's hitting streaks and so on and so forth is that 33-game winning streak the Lakers put together uh, back in the early 70s. That's just an unbelievable uh, mark. But... uh, I have to say, LeBron, to me, has really shown this year. I mean, he, we all know how great he is. We all know what kind of a, a player he can be. But he's now taking it to to, you know, uh, to the top right now. I, I, I just think right now he's, he's going to be a player that we're going to look back upon when he retires. And you know, when you consider his body size and his ability – and his, his will. He has one of the strongest wills on the court I think I've ever seen. I mean, he's just he's just unreal. He, he's certainly, you know, he has to be now in the discussion or starting to get into the discussion, you know, of, of the best of all time because I don't remember a guy ever being that big, being able to do the things that he can do on the floor.
4: Well, he's the size of Carl Malone, you know? Exactly, Carl <laughs> yes. Malone exactly. doing all the things. He's just running the point, shooting threes. Defending every position on the floor, defending point guards at times, Derrick Rose at times. You know, I mean, you're right. Look, he's the top. He's already a top ten player of all time, and you know, when you get to that level, you're obviously nitpicking. Uh, we as you separate who's better than who, uh, you could argue he's top five. I think the thing, just the eye test, and just in a vacuum, you could maybe argue. He's the best player of all time. You know, I had one general manager tell me, he said, if you take out winning, he thinks LeBron's the best player ever. And that might sound funny, but, you know, meaning if if it's not about rings, if it's just who is the best player, you know, looking at their body of work, he said it'd be LeBron James. But obviously you do incorporate the winning, you do incorporate rings, and that's where a Michael Jordan with six, a Kobe Bryant with five, a Magic Johnson with five, even Larry Bird with three, you know, these guys have that over LeBron at this point. I don't think he has to get six to start the argument of is he better than Michael Jordan, but I do think he has to get three or four, you know, and, um, so, you know, he's, he's just, like you say, a tremendous player. And what you're seeing this year is, really the worst nightmare of those around the league outside of Miami, because a lot of people felt like once he got that one championship and he got that monkey off of his back and he finally, you know, overcame all the obstacles, kind of like Michael Jordan did when it took him seven years to win it, uh, they felt like that would take LeBron to another level and he would begin to play more relaxed and just be more comfortable and really just as great as he's been, become even, even greater. And I think that's what you're seeing this year. I mean, he's always played great basketball, but now the those, the streaks he's had of shooting over 60% from the floor, you see him not settling for jump shots, you know, three points. He used to be good for probably about four bad shots a night, you know, where he just pull up a take a bad three. Now he's not settling for bad threes. He's shooting over 40% from the arc because he's shooting less from there. He's going to the hole more. Last night you saw him hit the game when he lay up against Orlando. Um, you know, he's posting up more. So he's really just playing terrific basketball. And it's obviously spilling over to the team, which is really what you like if you're as a, as a coach. Uh, not only is he playing great individually, but it's leading the team to victories. And so who knows? He's still young. He's 28 years old. Uh, still, you know, when you look at how long Kobe Bryant has played at a high level, I mean, Kobe's playing great into his 17th season. I mean, if LeBron can do that, then you're talking about, you know, another seven, eight years of tremendous play from him and who knows how many championships. So, yeah, um, he is certainly already an all-time great, and probably in the single-digit uh all-time great um and and a sky's the limit i mean we'll have to see how far he can climb and can he really challenge michael jordan for that that mystical um title of the world's best player ever
1: chris bursard our guest from espn i tim roy here on the warriors weekly roundtable i've got a topic for you that you can chat with john berry when you guys are uh waiting to come I think on it john might
4: here. be in boston with me tomorrow
1: I okay think. so i'm here, not here, positive Damian Lillard reminds me of this because, you know, he's an Oakland guy. And, uh, and obviously I'm an advocate because I've lived here now for uh, 18 years. It's my 18th year with the Warriors. And, and I just think the East Bay especially and the Bay Area in general, it's kind of an underrated basketball area. As I was arguing with an East Coast buddy of mine, uh, over a uh, uh, well, let's say over a cup of coffee when we were on the road trip, I, I said that uh, uh, you know, hey, I'll start with you know the backcourt of Kidd and Peyton with Bill Russell at center and Silas at power forward. I'll find a small forward, you know, who's, you know <laughs> who can go. We'll start with that team and, and go from there. I just think it, it, the East Base produced a lot of great basketball talent, and uh, it, it's it's and Lillard's the the latest uh, to come out, especially yeah. the Oakland area. You know who has that little chip and little fire in his belly and he he's been uh, outstanding this year for Portland.
4: No, you're right, look, that is a great uh, underrated basketball uh, hot, hot bed. there's no question about it. you know you've got the d c area, obviously you got Prince George's county near there you've got I think New Jersey now is better than New York New York look new york I- I'm not going to belittle what New York has meant to basketball. But I think at this point it's overrated. You know, most of the players coming out of there now, they really get all the hype in high school. They're not living up to it. You know, I mean, Lance Stevenson has become, at this point, a solid role player in Indiana, but he was supposed to be the best player in the country, you know, coming out of high school, Sebastian Telfair. Had a nice, you know, he's had a career, and that's, you could, that's saying a lot for a guy that's really only about 5'10", if that, uh, 5'9", 5'10". And you know, but remember how much hype he got coming out of high school. He was supposed to be the best point guard in the country, right? You know, so I think New York has become overrated. And and I agree with you. Obviously, LA is good, but the Bay Area, you know, that Seattle area is tough too. You know, Very they good. produce yeah. Nate Robinson, Jamal Crawford, Brandon Roy, Marvin Williams, a lot of good players up there. So, uh, yeah, you you no question. You don't get any argument from me that. The Bay Area is certainly a, a great
1: basketball area. Okay, bottom end of the West here before I let you go. You got the uh, the, the Jazz, the Rockets, the Warriors picked up a, a big night last night for the Warriors because they picked up a game on both Houston and Utah. Uh, the Lakers somehow stole one last night coming back with a huge fourth quarter comeback oh, in, in New Orleans. Uh, to me, just looking at the schedule now, this is a schedule only it looks like Utah probably has the toughest road, and if, if the Lakers are going to catch a team, it might be the Jazz.
4: No, I agree with you. Utah's schedule is brutal. I mean, they've got New York. I think mean, they got Chicago next, then New York. Then they got, a, I can't think of it, Philly or some somebody that's not very good. and Then they play Oklahoma City. I mean, they've got San Antonio. They've got New York again. So their schedule is tough, and I do agree with you. I see the Lakers sneaking in. Now, if you're the Lakers, certainly you're thinking, okay, yeah, we, we'll, we'll just be happy to get in. But ideally, they do want to try to climb up to that sixth spot. And I know the Warriors want to keep that spot because you've been 3-1 and one against the Clippers, which is what the 3-6 matchup would be at this point. Correct. Um, you know, the Warriors have been struggling. You know, they've won two in a row, so they, they've kind of started to turn it around. But we all know they've been struggling lately, what, 5 They won five of their last 15 or something like that. Um, And I thought they had a chance to fall out. Um, But if they're, you know, maybe they're turning around, starting to play better. Uh, But for them, the the focal point needs to be obviously staying in the playoffs, but trying to hold on to that sixth spot. Not that you fear anybody, but you know if you're seventh or eighth, you're going to have Oklahoma City, Maybe San Antonio, assuming they can hold on uh, without Tony Parker for a few weeks. So that's not a matchup you want to go into. So, uh, yeah, I think I think the Warriors want to hold on to six. The Lakers will sneak in. I think the Rockets will stay uh, because they've been fairly consistent this year with who they are. So it's, it's going to be a great, great, great playoff uh, run, as always, in the Western Conference.
1: Yeah, fourteen of the last twenty for the Warriors will help them because fourteen of the last twenty are on the home floor. They've been road heavy uh, for a long time in the middle part of yep. this season, and uh, and you're right. You know, I think the the other thing about the Lakers is they may sneak in, but but if you're you're sneaking in to play Oklahoma City, that's not a sneak in. That's you know, that's a, no, that's
4: exactly. A... I mean, that's a, that's what a lot of people are saying. You know, under their breath, look, yeah, it's all about the Lakers making the playoffs and all that. But uh, if you get there and your first round is Oklahoma City or, or even San Antonio, it's going to be a short stay. So, Because <laughs> this is the thing. The Lakers, I know they've won. I think they've won 14 of their last 20, um, something like that. But they're not playing much better. They really aren't. I mean, they're finding ways to win. I guess they're playing better than they were two months ago or a month and a half or a month ago just by the record. But they still don't know who they are. That game last night, I mean, there is no excuse. When you're fighting for your playoff life and you're facing a team in New Orleans that is, almost has the worst record in the league, there's no excuse for you to be back down by 22 points. I think it was 22 at one point. You know, and, and to have to come back the way they did and to ride Kobe Bryant's cape uh, to, the, to the victory, that shows you they are, they're not playing well. They don't know who they are. You know, they, they're not, you know, are we a slow down team? Are we a fast team? Do we post up? Do we pick and roll? Does, is Kobe a volume shooter? Is he going to get everybody involved? They don't know. And Dan Tony wants to play one way, and the players feel like they need to play another way. And defensively, they're atrocious. Uh, so, even if they – look, I want them to get to the playoffs because it's certainly a more exciting story uh, If as long as the Lakers are alive. I mean, it's great drama. Uh, it's something to talk about. It, it's awesome. It's like when the Heat were struggling uh, with the big three. Uh, but there's no reason to think that they're going to be able to make any noise whatsoever when they get there at this point, unless they really turn it up, turn it on over the next month of the season.
1: Chris, the final question for you, and and it's only because we play the Bucks on Saturday. I'm going to ask you about this. I read uh, Beno Udrich's comments about the Milwaukee not being a good place right now after he was traded. Uh, what do you hear about the Bucks? Obviously, we're interested. Uh, Monte Ellis uh, obviously starred for the Warriors for a number of years, and we know how dynamic a player he can be. But he's in the same situation he was with Steph Curry. He's playing with a, 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 a smaller backcourt member who, who needs the ball in his hands as, as well. What do you hear about the Bucks and, and and what they might be looking at doing in the offseason?
4: Well, obviously, Brandon Jennings will be a restricted free agent. Monte Ellis, a free agent. If he opts out, which he will, uh, he'll be a free agent. They like both of them. Um, they do understand, look, it's tough to win with a small backcourt like that. you got two small guys, so defensively you're going to be at a disadvantage. But those guys can play. Uh, it, it is, you're right. It's very similar to the situation in Golden State, you know, uh, when Monte was there, especially when it was Monte and Steph Curry. Um, but they understand they may have to lose one of those guys. Uh, I think they'd like to keep Brandon Jennings, uh, but they they understand they may lose one of them. It could end up being him, could be Monte Ellis. Um, that's part of why they brought in J.J. Reddick, because they feel like if Ellis goes, uh, he's a guy that can play next to Jennings, and he, you know, Jennings, he does, you know, he's a great passer. I remember watching him a lot in high school, and going over to Italy with him uh, when he was. I did a big story on him when he was uh, playing over in Italy out of high school. He does have tremendous passing skills and court vision. His assist numbers don't really show it uh, this thus far in his career. He's at six and a half right now, but the last few games with Reddick there, you've seen his assists have been. Through the roof, 19, 17, and 12 in his last three games. Um, so Reddick could play next to him, they believe, because Reddick's such a great shooter, and Jennings can create opportunities for him. Um, they were, as you know, they were really going hard after Josh Smith. And this was the thing look, was Josh Smith, was a trio of Josh Smith, Monte Ellis, and Brandon Jennings going to lead you to a championship? No. But you're in Milwaukee. And you're not getting – most free agents aren't going to go there. Now, you can overpay somebody and, um, you know, maybe you get a special type of guy who doesn't really care about the the city uh, and maybe they'll go there. But for the most part, you're going to have to build through trades, free agency and things like – or not free agency, the draft and things like that. When you talk about trying to get that superstar. So they thought maybe that trio – it makes them relevant. You know, that's a good trio. Uh, with Ellis Smith and Jennings, uh, and if they had gotten that, they would have been an exciting team fun to watch, would have played up-tempo, uh, and, you know, would have been a, a solid playoff team. And at this point, that's a huge improvement over what they've been over the past several years. So uh, that's really what's going on mil- in Milwaukee. Championship, being a, being a contender is nowhere near being in sight. At this point, it's about let's get relevant, let's be a perennial playoff team, and see if we can build from there and take that next step.
1: Yeah, you know, Smith and uh, Monte, that great history they have back in AAU ball uh, would certainly they yes, would get that's, along. That's
4: you know, and that's one reason Josh Smith was willing. You know, Milwaukee was on his list of places he would be willing to go and stay long term because he, you know, of his history with Monte and also, you know, he likes Brandon Jennings' game, too. He thought they could have really been pretty exciting.
1: I always learn something when I talk with Chris Broussard talking some basketball. I follow you on Twitter. Uh, how can the people listening tonight follow you?
4: Uh, at Chris underscore Broussard. So uh, I appreciate the plug, and uh, good talking with you guys.
1: And we look forward to your work uh, tomorrow night on the game in Boston. Safe travels there. Say hi to Mr. Barry for us, and and uh, look forward to maybe – Uh, Seeing you at Oracle sometime in the future.
4: I'd love to get out there. I don't have anything scheduled out there, but uh, maybe we can work something out, because I'd love (laughs) to get back to Oak Town.
1: I'll have my boss call your boss. All right, fellas. My thanks to Chris Broussard, and thank you for listening. Hey, the Warriors in Cash Creek Casino Resort are teaming up to give away 25 prizes in 25 days. Win one of our daily prizes, including a chance to sit in the owner's floor seats for a game. Now, tonight's prize is a chance to join me, yours truly, Tim Roy, as a guest during the radio broadcast for an upcoming Warriors home game. Registration is free. Enter tonight at warriors.com slash 25 days. Now, you must be 21 or older to enter. Again, a chance to join me as a guest during one of our radio broadcasts for an upcoming Warriors home game. Go to warriors.com slash 25 days. You must be 21 or older to enter. We'll wrap up the show looking ahead to tomorrow night's game against Houston, Saturday against Milwaukee. A scheduled look as we continue on KMBR 680, the sports leader. don't be- I can't believe you're unbelievable unbelievable
0: we now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable
1: coming down the home stretch there is no doubt every game is a huge game none bigger than Friday night when the Houston Rockets are in town James Harden at the controls
0: Rebound used and Harden to land Back to Harden to the rim. Dunks it down with two hands. The fast break started thanks to great defense at the other end.
1: The Warriors could really solidify the number six spot with a win against Houston on Friday. It's an authentic fan Friday brought to you by Comcast Sportsnet. The first 19,000 receive a Jared Jack Collector Series cheer card. At the very next night, a rare home-and-home home back-to-back. The Warriors take out the Milwaukee Bucks who have the young buck, Brandon Jennings. Rebound taken by Chandler, and he gets it down to Carmelo Anthony. Tony Douglas stolen by Jennings, and he dunks it. Lazy pass by Carmelo Anthony. That is karma. Throw the elbows and then make a bonehead play. Warriors and Bucks, 7 o'clock your start time on KBR 680. It's a jack-in-the-box late-night ticket offer. And then it's on to next week, Monday night, the only Bay Area appearance by the New York Knicks. And in the rematch of the Steph Curry game, the Warriors will have to find a way to keep Tyson Chandler off the glass. Curry has it. Curry with a two-on-two. Pull-up three. Yes! Wow! 49 for Curry and the Warriors lead 100 to 99. Unbelievable. Timeout New York. Lob for Chandler. Wide open. Another easy dunk for Tyson Chandler. And on Monday, it's Bollywood Night, presented by Adobe. The first 19,000 fans receive a commemorative Bollywood Night t-shirt. Warriors and the Knicks, 7 o'clock Monday night on KBR 680. I'll be joined by Tom Tilbert on the Monday night broadcast. And then Wednesday night, the Detroit Pistons in town. Brandon Knight taking on more of a scoring role for Detroit.
4: Now Brandon Knight feels it again. Heat check. It's a three from the right sideline. Holy macro. Three out of four from long range.
1: What a third quarter. For Brandon Knight, 15 points. Warriors and Pistons, 7 o'clock, your start time on KMBR 680. It's a jack-in-the-box late-night ticket offer, and that will bring us to next week's show, the weekly roundtable starting at 8 o'clock. That's going to wrap it up here. i Tim Roy for producer R.C. Davis, Dave Feldhaus at the controls. My thanks to Chris Broussard of ESPN. You can check him out tomorrow night when Atlanta takes on Boston on ESPN. He'll be doing the sideline work there. And also Travis Leslie for giving us a look inside the Santa Cruz Warriors and what it's like to play in the D-League. Hi, Tim Roy, Warriors and the Rockets. Huge game tomorrow night at Oracle. Starts at 7 o'clock, and you could talk about it right now with Ray Woodson on CamBR at 8.08 CamBR to talk about tomorrow night's matchup. Hi, Tim Roy, saying good night for the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Golden State Warriors basketball. It's a four-on-three. The trailer's Curry right side. Fires away. Three ball. Curry.
0: For tickets, go to warriors.com. Or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.